You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome, animal lovers everywhere, to episode 69 of Awesome Animal Advocates on the Pet Life Radio Network. I'm Keith Sanderson, host and creator of Awesome Animal Advocates, the program where you meet the doers, the leaders, the people who are making a difference for animals in your neighborhoods, counties, and states, and around the world. You will learn how these amazing people become involved in doing what they do, why they spend time, money, and long hours each day fighting to save the lives of and or improving the living conditions of companion, domestic, wild, animals, and more. Today's guest is Tim Phillips, co-founder of Animal Defenders International. You may remember the last time Tim was a guest on Awesome Animal Advocates when he discussed the film Lion Ark and the work they were doing in Bolivia. We will meet Tim in a moment and learn what he's been up to since Lion Ark and the amazing project they currently are working on in Peru. But first, a word from our sponsors. We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. At Red Barn, our pet food ingredients work overtime. They aren't just there for show. Dandelion greens work to maintain a healthy digestive system. Salmon oil works to enhance the immune system. Green-lipped mussels work to support joint health. These hard-working ingredients support your dog's active, healthy life. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Visit RedBarnInc.com to save a dollar on Red Barn grain-free canned food. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Awesome Animal Advocate. I'm your host, Keith Sanders, and to meet our guest, Tim Phillips, co-founder of Animals Defenders International. Welcome, Tim. Thank you for being with us today. It's an absolute pleasure. It's good to be back on again. It's great having you back. I mean, the work you and Jan and your colleagues are doing at Animals Defenders International is incredible. And for those in our audience who may not be familiar with you, can you give us a brief overview of ADI and your mission? Yeah, our mission really is to investigate animal suffering, create awareness about it, use that awareness to secure laws protecting animals and to rescue animals. And we're quite a small organization, but we're a very holistic organization. We sort of do start to finish campaigning. So, for example, the work we're doing in South America, which we're doing similar work in the USA and in, in Europe, began with a deep undercover investigation of the circus industry. So we put people undercover inside the entire South American circus industry, pretty much, moving from country to country for almost two years. That evidence and the video footage of the beatings, the confinement and the violence was then presented to the public. We then lobbied, we then created awareness in various countries and that's led in South America alone to five countries banning wild animals or all animals in circuses. And then the kind of final part of that is if there's no one to enforce the law, and of course in countries like uh, the US or Great Britain, there's, there's many agencies that are involved in law enforcement. But 
fairly radical animal protection groups are quite a new thing, protection laws are quite a new thing in a country like Bolivia or in Peru where we're working now. So there isn't the infrastructure of sanctuaries or, or friendly zoos even to take animals as the authority sees them. So what we've done in Bolivia was the first time is to track down any circuses breaking the law and we seize the animals and we take them. So we did that in Bolivia. We rescued almost 50 animals on the mission there. And we're doing the same thing again at this moment in, in Peru. Well, that's amazing. I think that, you know, that's an important aspect of what you do because so many times people think that, oh, just get a law passed and everything's going to be okay. But as you know, first of all, to get that legislation passed, it takes a lot of work to build the case for it and to get people behind you. And that's so much of what you do. And then afterwards, just because a law is passed, even here in the United States doesn't necessarily mean it's going to be followed because there may not be the funding in that law. And I think your follow-up is incredible and it's a great part of the story. And when we last spoke, you were involved, as you said, in the uh, liberating uh, lions in Bolivia and we had talked about the premiere of Lion Ark, the movie that tells the story of how you uh, exposed the suffering and secured a nationwide ban and then tracked down the circuses and rescued every animal. I want to ask you, how did the premieres go? It went really well. We hit the film festival circuit. We were selected for about 20 major film festivals, and so that was pretty exciting. We won awards at 10 of those film festivals. We got um, an NAACP Image Award nomination, which I think is the first time an animal rights film has been nominated by the Civil Rights, which is what is the premier civil rights festival. And so it went down really, really well. We um, have been taken into distribution by ITV Global, and they're currently working on getting it on television around the world. And we hope to have a few more U.S. screenings sort of in the states we haven't covered yet and in one or two big cities where in perhaps late November, early December, we, we really it's just been delayed a bit because we're actually rescuing animals. <laughs> so uh, we've got a film about rescuing animals out there, but we've been delayed a bit getting it into cinemas in the U.S. because of rescuing more animals. Well, that's great. Well, let us know when when and where the additional showings will be so we can uh, post it on Facebook and and let our audience know. And by uh, the way, how, how are the lions doing in their homes uh, in Colorado? Because that's where you moved them, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, we rescued 29 lions altogether from Bolivia. Four went to um, California and 25 went to a sanctuary in Colorado. And they've really been doing very well. You know, some of these animals are very old and battered and, and four of them have passed away now, but they got those ones still got their moment in, in the sun, as it were, and, and some freedom. And so they're, they're doing well. And, and dear old Kimber, who, who was the oldest, he, he passed away at the beginning of this year. But he got introduced with another female lioness rescued from a circus in um, in Mexico. And uh, so he ended his days, you know, very happy, you know, and, and I think some of these really old lions that we just managed to get at the end of their days very much sort of symbolize our rescue work. But the others are doing well. And we're now involved in an even bigger 
lion rescue. We're rescuing 33 lions at this moment from circuses in Colombia and Peru. And the most exciting development on that is that we're in partnership now with a, a sanctuary in South Africa. So they really are going to be going home, these animals. So that that sends an incredible message to the governments in South America about how you should handle rescued wildlife. Well, that's great. And I want to get into what you're currently doing, but can you explain to our listeners why ADI is so against lions and other wild animals performing in circuses and in other entertainment venues? Yeah, I, I think it, you know it's because these animals suffer incredibly. Everything conspires against them to have a miserable life. They're living in temporary accommodation for almost the entire year, so by necessity, it fits on the back of a truck. Either it folds up or it's actually a cage on the back of a truck. So their husbandry is absolutely rudimentary for almost the entire year. And the other thing is that there's constant physical contact with these animals. And since some of them are quite dangerous animals, that means them being subjugated. That means them being beaten during training and learning to do what these trainers say. And it's no accident that in circuses, there's all this video footage, admittedly a huge amount of it from Animal Defense International, of animals being abused in circuses because they're constantly in contact with people and the people are constantly having to dominate them. There is nothing like that kind of amount of violence footage coming out of zoos, for example, where animals don't have to be controlled and dominated in much the same way. So I think it's very much the worst aspect of wildlife in captivity. And that's not to say there aren't enormous problems with zoos and, and even some sanctuaries, the way that they keep wild animals. But it's the very worst and it cannot be made better. And I think that's why in all of these different countries that we're working in, whether it's South America, whether it's Europe, Asia, so many are passing bans on misuse of animals. They're not saying, oh, make the cages a little bit bigger. People all over the world, and we're talking over 30 different countries now, and the span is incredible from sort of the Czech Republic to Mexico to Singapore to Portugal to Bolivia to Peru. So many different countries with different cultures, with different attitudes to animals are saying, you know, we should not do this to these magnificent animals just to amuse ourselves. And I think it's a key issue for the human race's relationship with other animals that we share this planet with. I think, you know, over the coming years and centuries, it must be our next step in evolution is reevaluating just how we treat this planet and the animals that share it with us and starting with what we do to indulge our sense of amusement is, I yeah. think, a key area. You know, uh, that comes to mind, something that ADI is working on here, and to me is probably the, the most foreign place to see a big cat is in Las Vegas, where they're used as props and shows, such as Dirk Arthur's Wild Magic. And I want to read a quote I, I read from him in the uh, September 15th article, The Las Vegas Sun, where Arthur claims, quote, one great thing I can accomplish is educating people on the importance of preserving wildlife every day when I do my show and hopefully wow them by seeing tigers, snow leopards, and other rare animals up close and not in a cage. 
How do you respond to this and similar claims made by entertainers to well, use animals? I mean, if magic acts a, a misdirection, then that quote is misdirection at, at its peak, really. You know, you don't save animals by subjugating them to miserable, stressful conditions. You put them where they should be. You explain to people that you cannot have these magnificent wild animals in your sitting room, on your doorstep. They need to be in appropriate habitats. And these magic acts, I think it's sort of, it shows very dramatically, actually, Las Vegas, the sort of shift in attitudes towards animals. Because the strip used to be peppered with these magic acts where people would have a tiger appearing in a tiny cage and, and all of that sort of thing. And they've nearly all been replaced with human acts. And that's the future, seeing wonderful human acts. You can learn about wildlife by going to sanctuaries, by watching wildlife programs, and going and seeing wildlife in the wild. There's magnificent wildlife in the United States. People can go out and they can go and see it. And you don't do that by cooping them up in tiny little boxes for hours on end each day and bringing them out in a show which has flash bombs going off and the noise and the confinement and squeezing tigers into crushes at the backs of cages or whatever to make them seemingly disappear. We all know it's not magic. We all know that the tiger has been pushed into a even smaller box to make it disappear. So it's time it stopped. And I think this delusion that you can teach animal people about animals by treating them in inappropriate ways is completely wrong. You teach entirely the wrong thing. Even some of these circuses that we're seeing prohibited around the world now have said the same thing. By bringing people up close to these animals, you teach them about them, that they learn to respect them. No, they don't. They learn to think of them as toys, as things which can be carted around, which can be poked, which can be prodded. You don't teach awareness like that. You teach it by respect. That is so true. I mean, previous guests from Global Elephant Sanctuaries, uh, God Blaise, he said that he had some people observing elephants at the sanctuary he had set up in Tennessee. And they these people had seen the elephants in circuses before, obviously. And were surprised to see them eating grass. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I'm... What else would they eat? But to your point, when you see animals in artificial circumstances, you don't learn anything about them. Yeah, it's amazing how you don't even see their proper movement. You don't see their proper socialization. You don't see them doing natural behaviors and things because animals need space and they need companionship to do that. I mean, Dirk Arthur, when he's on stage, these animals are in really, really tiny cages. But they're kept in his backyard on a, a sort of residential area of Las Vegas in not very big cages anyway. He's got these white tigers, which they pretend they're preserving. They're not. They're an aberration, which is line bred again and again and again until they produce these genetic deformities. It's like deliberately breeding albino children. You would think it was completely offensive and the wrong thing to do. And of course it is in animals and they get hearing defects and all sorts of problems because they're so desperately genetically inbred. And it's time to sweep these old practices aside. Well, Tim, we need to take a break and I uh, hope our audience stays with us because when we return, you're going to tell us about what you're doing right now in Peru. 
We'll be right back, right after these messages. Stay tuned. Do you know that moment when your dirty dog's about to jump in your nice, clean car? You can avoid all the cleanup and mess with a 4K9 seat cover. 4K9s makes heavy-duty seat covers and cargo liners that will blend seamlessly with the interior of your vehicle. You can find us at 4K9s.com. That's the number 4, K-N-I-N-E-S.com or on Amazon.com. 4K9s makes nothing but the best for your best friend. It's designerpetsweaters.com. Hand-knitted designer sweaters for your precious pup or cool cat. Beautiful couture patterns for your pets, including custom-knitted formal wear, casual wear, yachting, and even sports-themed. Many designer pet sweaters include feathered tammy hats, top hats, and a lot of sparkle. Each sweater includes leg loops, front paw sleeves, and leash opening. Visit designerpetsweaters.com to order your four-legged fashions today. Your pets will stay warm for the winter and be runway ready. Large or small, we fit them all. Designerpetsweaters.com Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Awesome Animal Advocates. I'm your host, Keith Sanderson, and our guest is Tim Phillips of ADI. Tim, you're back in South America again in Peru. What's happening there? Well, this has been a a year-long mission. It's our biggest ever enforcement operation. So two years ago, Peru banned the use of wild animals in circuses, and they they gave the circuses uh, a couple of years to get rid of the animals. They set some minimum standards for that period, which were largely ignored, and then said at the end of this period, no more animals. And what we found was there wasn't quite such widespread ignoring the law as there was in Bolivia, but there were still many circuses which just completely ignored the law and kept going. So this is where ADI comes in. We met with the authorities. We'd obviously lobbied for the law, so we we talked about it before the law was passed. And we began tracking down the circuses. And this is pretty aggressive circus industry. You know, one year before we began seizures, our general manager from South America was spotted monitoring a circus and they broke his leg. He was Mm -hmm. put in hospital. So we then spoke with the authorities and we began almost a year ago raiding the circuses and we completed raiding the circuses at the end of April and every single circus that we identified during surveillance between 2013 and 2014 we now have their animals and some of them went underground and we just waited until they appeared people were contacting us on Facebook saying there's a circus just appeared in northern Peru and we would be on it within 24 hours we'd have someone on it and we'd keep monitoring it until we could raid it so we've rescued from circuses around about 50 animals again we've got 24 lions in Peru and we've got nine others in Colombia which are the first animals to be handed over after the ban was passed there We've also rescued monkeys and coatis 
and we've assisted the government simultaneously with enforcing wildlife trafficking laws because, you know, basically we set up our whole operation in Peru, so we've assisted with as much as we can. So that's taken in other animals like like a bear called Chilita and all sorts of monkeys. So by the end of the operation, at the end of next month, we will have rescued, I think, about 100 animals. Now, is that that bear, Cochalita, is that the bear that was featured on Nightline, I think, a, a little while back? Uh, with, I, can't, uh, I can't remember if Chilita was on there, but Chilita is certainly won people's hearts around the world. And Chilita is one of those animals which I think she sums up sort of everything we try to do and everything that's wrong with the way that animals are treated. And Chilita was almost certainly torn from the wild as a baby. She um, ended up in a circus. They cut off her fingers, not just trimmed her claws. They cut off her fingers to get rid of her front claws so that she couldn't defend herself. They broke her teeth and they put her in a tiny cage. This cage is under three foot square. And we've actually got the circus cage. And they put her in there. She lost all of her fur because she was so stressed. After 10 years of that wretched existence, the authorities seized her. And here the story kind of sums up another problem that the authorities face, and they shouldn't be blamed for this. They seized her, they placed her in temporary custody in a zoo, it was the right thing to do, but then there was nowhere for her. And that's kind of where ADI comes in. So she was in this zoo with no other bears, no other zoos in the country wanted her, probably because she looked so funny and odd because... She had no fur, and that's where ADI came across her. The, the authorities told us about her. We were raiding a circus up in northern Peru, and Jan and I said, let's go and see this bear and see if there's something we can do. And it was like everything was against her, you know, and uh, so we said, yes, we'll take her. And initially we thought we might fly her to a sanctuary in the U.S., but... Within a couple of months, it was very clear she was nowhere near fit enough to fly. She's got some breathing difficulties and she's very elderly. She's at the top end of her age range. So we scoured Peru. We visited all sorts of locations and uh, we said, look, you know, if this is the right place, we will build a habitat for her. We finally came to a, a wonderful ecological reserve called uh, Tarakaya in the far east of the country and uh, is in the Amazon basin. It's perfect forest. It's, all, it's actually within Chilita's range and it almost identically replicates the cloud forest, which is regarded as the, the best possible habitat for spectacled bears. It's a bit lower down than the cloud forest and that actually suits Jolita with her sort of elderly breathing difficulty. She'd been in sea level for almost her whole life. So we then had to get her there and oh, about 10 days ago, Jan and myself and our team embarked on a, an epic journey. Epic journey seemed to be what comes at the end of all of uh, ADI's rescue missions, I sometimes think, <laughs> sleeping in cars or aircraft or whatever. We set off from Lima and we drove across the whole width of Peru. We traversed the Andes. It was uh, over a thousand miles we had to drive with her. We kept her in a large cage. We turned it actually into an oxygen tent and released oxygen in there because crossing the Andes, the air gets pretty thin and we, we didn't want her to be uncomfortable at all. And we traveled with Chilita the bear, Mufasa a mountain lion who we, we rescued in April from being chained in the back of a pickup truck at a circus and five monkeys and a macaw 
and the 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 McCaw didn't like travelling outdoors. I think he was a little bit too chilled, even though they were well covered. So we brought him in the vehicle with us. So there were six <laughs> of us in a vehicle and a McCaw. And that kept the drivers alert, at least. So we kept driving all day and all night. We didn't uh, stop for rest. We stopped to switch drivers, ate, and everyone slept in the cars. And we kept going for, like I say, three days it was over the, the Andes mainly because they're such windy, twisty roads. Then we, we travelled with this most bizarre menagerie on one of these narrow little boats up the Madre de Dios River, which again was stuffed with, with like, looked like Noah's Ark it did, and finally got Chilita and Mufasa home to the, the forest. And the monkeys, even better, should be rehabilitated and actually go back to the wild. But Chilita, this old bear who not been in this world, you know, her natural habitat since birth. She came padding out of the cage. She bent down and she just began to lick the earth. She was literally kissing the earth of the forest floor. Of course, it's full of minerals and all of that kind of thing. And then she padded off and she reached up and she was taking leaves and tasting them. And she was sort of semi-climbing up trees, but up on her hind legs and looking around. And they're always difficult, different, these releases of animals into their natural habitats. Some are a bit scared, some embrace it. It was one of the most magical things I've seen in, in 30 years of campaigning and helping animals, seeing this old bear trundling around this lovely, lush forest habitat. I mean, it's like a tropical garden if someone's, you know, in a hothouse in the U.S. or somewhere. That is and, an amazing story. Well, it's, it could get even better because we've now been approached by the authorities and there are three more bears. So bringing from this old bear who touched people's hearts around the world is going to be the first place dedicated to these rescued bears in Peru. And we should, by the end of the year, have four bears in there. And that, I think, is fantastic. She will, within the coming weeks, hear the voices of her own kind again for the first time. And so, too, for those other bears. So a real legacy is, is being left for these animals in Peru. That is an awesome story. Truly, truly, it is. I mean, hearing you talk about the travels, it's almost a work of, you know, something that sounds like fiction, except no one would write it as fiction because no one would believe it. Who would get? <laughs> <laughs> but it's just so incredible. Hey, now, where are the lions going to go? Well, they're going to go to a, a sanctuary called Imoya Big Cat Sanctuary in South Africa, in Limpopo. And really, we were sort of searching all around, as we do, to try and find the right place for these animals. It's a large number of animals, as you can imagine. And we encountered several from the U.S. who were saying, yes, we can home them. And you sort of then get into the practicalities of it. What's it going to cost to build the enclosures? And, and how do we get the animals there? We have to charter flights to move these huge numbers of animals. And slowly, more and more, we thought, it's going to be possible to take these animals home. I mean, one, it's fantastic for the animals, but two, what an amazing message that all of the animals from these, this rescue are going back to their natural habitats, especially when you're working with governments. You really do want to have those messages, not sort of keep saying, oh, if there's a problem with animals, stick them in a zoo. You, you want to be sort of giving nice, clear messages that, yes, where there's a will, there's a way. So 
once we found we could get a charter flight and we, we had to up the size of the aircraft because it's a, it's a longer journey than if we were coming up to America. Once we found we could charter a Boeing 747, which has 30 pallet spaces, we've got 33 Lions, so they almost all get their own pallet space, which is perfect. We realized we could take them home and it's, it's absolutely fabulous sanctuary. It's quite a young sanctuary, but it's really based on exciting principles of enrichment as well as very natural habitat. I mean, it's absolute lion country. So for us as rescuers, it's a dream come true. For us as rescuers, we've also got to build the enclosures there, which is the norm. Most sanctuaries do request that we build the enclosures and fund the animals. So that is the norm for us. In fact, all 100 animals rescued by ADI during Operation Spirit of Freedom in Peru, we will continue to care for, even though they're in four different sanctuaries. So we're working up now. We're begging for donations. Every little bit will help getting these lions home to Africa. Wow, that is great because so many times, like I said before, something is done but not followed through on and whether it's animals or human need and there isn't a funding. And I think that's what's so great about ADI. And for those of our listeners who would like to donate to your organization or learn about it or see if they could volunteer, what's your website, Tim? It's www.ad dash international dot org and pretty much you can just follow the links there to donate to find out about Chalita bear or the, or this rescue the, the rescue of the lions and the other animals and to you know we have volunteers in the LA office we also have volunteers coming and helping on these rescues um, people have come down to Peru and volunteered and Several of them have come back more than once. And also, we believe in empowering people. And I think that's why, for a kind of tiny international organization, we pack a big punch because our supporters get involved, whether they're in Colombia or whether they're in California or Connecticut. They can get involved, and we will give them the information, we will give them the facts, we'll give them the videos, the evidence that they can lobby their members of Congress, that they can engage neighbors, that they can engage their local council. And that's how we make progress, all of us together. You know, I think that's something important, because if I remember right, you and Jan first met, she borrowed a trap from you for feral cats, or vice versa? Is <laughs> She did. I loaned her a feral cat trap. So there you go. Romantic tip to all the people <laughs> listening to the program. But the point well, is, is, you know, for those who say, gee, how could I ever end up being international like, like ADI is and everything else? But you started locally as animal advocates. And yeah, definitely. I mean, I, I, was, I was working in banking and I wasn't particularly satisfied doing that, but I was just on a, a course to be a bank manager or something like that. I went to see a film, and I hope, you know, my film Lion Ark has a similar impact on some people, and it changed my life. It was called The Animals Film, and it, it opened my eyes to how animals were being treated. And the next thing I did was I bought an SLR camera, we're talking about 1981 or two now, I quit my job and I began going and photographing inside places like factory farms and fur farms and generally gathering the evidence of how animals are treated. And that's very much how we still work, that, that we 
collect evidence, we give people the facts, we let them make up their own minds. And obviously we hope that we're persuasive enough that they're going to take a compassionate stance on animals. And I think there's all of these things that people can do. People can change their diet. People can go and get a camera. People can look, find out information and feed it to groups like ADI. People can go and lobby their members of Congress. And people often uh, think that they're powerless, but the numbers of people curing legislation, serious legislation around the world to really protect animals like this ban on the use of wild animals in Peru, that's seeing all these animals saved and they will never be replaced. It's secured by a remarkably small number of people. That's not to say it doesn't have huge public support. You do have to bring the public. You do have to create awareness. Go on ABC Nightline. Go on Max Apooch and talk about these things. But it is a surprisingly few number of people who secure these changes for animals. And if you want to make a difference, just get in touch with ADI. Well, that's a good thing to do. And unfortunately, we've run out of time. Say hello to Jan for us. I will do. And uh, thank you so much for being with us again. And be sure to keep us up to date and let us know what's happening so we can update our audience. Because you two are an inspirational example of how animal advocates are helping animals and improving or saving their lives. I'm sure I speak for every one of our listeners when I say keep up the good work. Thank you very much indeed. And you're welcome. And certainly, Tim, you and Jan, I mean... As you said before, from the, the work of a few, great results can happen. And I want to thank Mark Winter, executive producer and co-founder of Pet Life Radio, and the sponsors who make this program possible. Please join us for each and every episode of Awesome Animal Advocates, and be sure to tell your friends about us. And if you know of an individual or an organization who should be featured on Awesome Animal Advocates, just email me at keith at maxapooch.com. That's Keith, K-E-I-T-H, at maxapooch.com. And remember, until we meet again, when you do a good thing for animals, you help the world be a better place for both animals and humans. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.